Welcome to a special episode of Fire Breathing Kittens. This is our rules discussion, where we discuss the rules that we played in the past dozen or so games. And this is our rules discussion for October-ish, 2023-ish. Ish. <laughs> so today I'm joined with the person who plays Chico. Hello, everyone. I'm Chico Barrett, but I'm his player, and I'll be joining you today talking about the rules today. Yeah. So, uh, should we dive right into it? Yep, I'm ready to go, so I'll go ahead and begin. The episode, Festival of Lies, featured the RPG system Space Knights. The system lends itself well to a story about armies fighting against an overwhelming force, but not so much adapting to a traditional TTRPG experience. It only works well in a war setting, though the rules and mechanics stand on their own. The variety of options in and out of combat is lacking. I'd recommend this game to a group that knows little about war games and wants to try it out without spending too much time learning the rules and story. It's guaranteed to be fun, but it won't be your future go-to war game. Yeah. And what we're doing, by the way, is reading feedback by people who were involved in the episode. I'll read another feedback from someone involved in the episode. It says... Character creation involves building an order of knights who have the stats War, Faith, and Logistics. Space Knights uses a mechanic systems, system called Moves. You can make a move by rolling 2d6 and adding your skill modifier. There were seven basic moves, which isn't too overwhelming. Space Knights does not have enemy stat blocks, player weapon stats, or spells. The version 2 rulebook we used for Space Knights could benefit from having page numbers added. Publishing a layout option of one page per spread rather than two would make the rules easier to read on small screens. Like on my phone, I was like, oh, that's way too tiny. <laughs> oh, this this one's for me. <laughs> During play, <laughs> During play, I found that there weren't any rules guidelines for what to do to gather information from your surroundings or to hide. Perhaps stealth moves could be performed using the logistics stat, but having too many rules can make these sorts of games very complicated, so I understand why sticking to seven basic moves is advantageous. Maybe the rulebook could list example actions that could be taken by rolling 2d6 and adding your modifier for each skill. Actions like stealing, sneaking, intimidating... Being athletic, using a tool, calming an animal, crafting, seeing through lies, etc. Would you roll 2d6 and add war, or faith, or logistics, you know? Okay, so very cool idea. However, the rules could be more concise as well as perhaps better have better categories and page numbers to the PDF. I think this could be a fun rule system for a specific type of game, but doesn't really lend itself well to our podcast. I think the mechanics being geared toward more grimdark space battles made it difficult to shoehorn into our show. It was still fun and had some cool elements. I think uh, 3.0 could be even better. And with that, we go to the next game. The episode You Don't Know Jack featured the RPG system Trove Foundation. And it's a good system. Very adaptable, easy to roleplay with, very hard for anything to actually fail. Things just complications which expands the plot mm. yeah i agree with that it was pretty hard for them to fail because they got to choose when they used their trove 
like a, a treasure trove, like they could choose when to expend it. And if it was important to them that it succeeded, they could expend their trove and, and not fail on the things that they really cared about not failing. I agree with that. All right, here's another feedback. To do something in Trove Foundation, players state what they want to happen and their method, and then roll a d20 dice. Depending on how big of a bite they're attempting to chew off at once, the GM subtracts between 0 and 6 from their dice roll. If any of their skills apply to the situation, the player adds 1, 2, or 3 to their roll. The outcome could be terrible, and they take damage, medium, and they succeed with the complication, or great. As I played Trove, I grew to appreciate how the players were rewarded for attempting challenges. When they roll high enough, the players have the option to spend a Trove to deposit a dice in a collective bank. Then in the future, anyone could add one of these collective dice to their roll. This bank of stored extra dice enabled the players to choose which rolls really mattered and were worth withdrawing their banked dice. The positive emotions from banking future success encouraged the players to roll more frequently, and it felt freeing. Because anyone can use the banked die, it also feels collaborative. Another thing I liked was how Trove mechanically encourages roleplay. For example, the animal shapeshifter was able to add her shapeshifting bonus to her actions while transformed, rewarding her mechanically for roleplaying as an animal shape. I like it when TTRPGs mechanically reward roleplaying. It was fun playing the narrative gameplay mechanics of Trove Foundation. Very good system for role-playing purposes. Could you use a good quick start guide to the rules or just a general revision of the rules to make them easier to digest. However, I was pleased with how good it felt to use the system in the game. Overall, really well-made RPG system. And the episode Old Man Strength featured the RPG system Brawl. Yeah, Brawl. Brawl is a wrestling-themed RPG with different mechanics for faces, heels, loose cannons, and other sports entertainment roles. You win a wrestling match not by damaging your opponent, but instead by gaining the most crowd favor. Drawing two cards off the top of the deck meant my turn was mostly up to chance, so I'd be willing to play a second edition that increased the impact of player choice on the outcome. Yeah. The episode Hella Confidence featured the RPG system Monster of the Week. As a GM, I love it. I wish I could find something similar that doesn't require the monster, but I always I find ways to get around it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the players said, This was my first time playing a Powered by the Apocalypse game. I had reservations about the mechanics, given how rules light it was, but it ended up working out really well, thanks in large part to the GM, who ran the game really smoothly. Rolls with dice weren't necessary for most actions, which made it so that when rolls were needed, there was more tension and suspense in the gameplay. Adding to that tension was the fact that anything lower than a 10 would mean some kind of negative consequence, even if you succeed. And when you're rolling two six-sided dice with modifiers of only one to three, that really upped the stakes for success. Overall, I think it's a great system for people who want to focus on storytelling and don't sweat the small stuff when it comes to rules. I'd play again and also run this system. Smiley face emoji. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, the system was easy to pick up and play. Character templates were easy to understand, even before reading the rule books, so long as they have a grasp of how TTRPGs work. The template provide a stable groundwork for one-shots, high death rate, and long play campaigns alike. I'd recommend this system to anyone looking for a solid system using the Powered by the Apocalypse system. Mm. And then our last feedback from Monster of the Week. Probably the best Powered by the Apocalypse rule system I have played. Easy to learn rules with solid role-playing opportunities. The playbooks have a lot of fun options to build a fun character. Next up, the episode I Dreamed a Dream featured the RPG system Wake. Mm-hmm. And one of the reviews is, on the Wake rules, I believe the Bane system is not balanced and is too brutal. When the GM uses the Banes to downgrade your role, they should not be able to give you more Banes. Yeah. Because <laughs> then you're stuck in like a Bane loop and you're like, I can't succeed. I mean, they're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, here's another feedback. Wake requires that each player build a poker hand better than the GM by the end of the adventure, or else your character doesn't wake up. You add three cards to the dream deck that can contribute to your poker hand by killing someone. So you literally have to kill to survive. Unfortunately, after a few actions, the snowballing Bane mechanic prevents the player from succeeding at anything they try. Eventually, every action they attempt thwarted Unable even to kill to survive, the player character can be left with no options and forced to die at the end of the session. It felt like a mechanic system that happened to you rather than one you played. <laughs> um, what, ha what happened to that episode? I haven't listened to that one yet. Don't spoil it for me. I'm going to have to go and listen to it. it I will say like... <laughs> not everybody survived. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> it was. Um, yeah. People died. Um, so, perma character death happened. Yeah. Um, oh. Yeah. Uh, mm. All right. The episode Kitchen Coven Chaos featured the RPG system Tarobite. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the reviews is the mechanic of adding your trait to a drawn number plus two if you draw a corresponding trait works really well for this tarot card tarot deck system. It provides that extra oomph to your results. Uh, more times than just than when you're just getting a critical hit in other systems. This is a great system to play for those who are curious about tarot deck style games. Yeah, I've got a, a different review. <laughs> um, <laughs> this person says tarot bite was fine, but a tad underwhelming. <laughs> I really like the use of the tarot deck as the randomizer mechanic and how the different suits are used as stats. However, we didn't get the opportunity to use the mechanics much because they didn't arise organically. Our group RP'd a lot, which left less room for mechanics. However, in my personal opinion, a good RPG will have mechanics that can be used for all aspects of role-playing games. I really like the base concept for the game and would encourage the creator to continue working on it and improving the mechanics. Mm -hmm. And then um, I actually didn't leave a review for Tarobite, even though I was the GM. So maybe I should say, should I say something? Go ahead. Uh, okay. Um, it's short and quick to read, and it does technically have a combat system, and it does technically have a math way to incorporate the tarot deck. And when you do draw a major arcana, it's more fun than just a natural 20 because you can work that 
major arcana into like if you draw the sun and it's like really bright you know i mean it makes more sense you know so i didn't dislike it um <laughs> that that review was a bit harsh but i don't know i didn't like like or dis- it's not my favorite this uh quarter but it's also not the worst you know that's pretty good right <laughs> <laughs> All right, and the final review for this game from one of the players, the system's adequate. I do think it will need some... (laughs) I I may have put a little inflection on there by accident. The system's adequate. I do think it'll need some house rules applied. I think I just didn't like my session. (laughs) (laughs) I I thought of it fondly. I wasn't that system. I thought it was funny. Oh, well, you you made... I got... I didn't get bullied. I just feel like... (laughs) Oh, yeah, that was the one that you guys didn't up. figure out the mystery, and then they all went and unconscious. She just screwed, and, screwed yeah. everything up. And well, there may be reasons why they're bitter other than the system, listeners. <laughs> it might be the game. There was a mystery story, and if they didn't figure it out in the end, they got murdered by the murderer, basically. Not perma-character death, but they fell for it. And they really fell hard, so, so they're bitter. I made, okay, I made, I made deep-fried shoelace. It was great. <laughs> you made him eat fried like seahorses seahorse yeah <laughs> that was great uh, okay sorry go ahead and do your review now <laughs> <laughs> let me start from the beginning because i didn't get too far in this system is adequate i do think it'll need some house rules applied because there are many things that are left vague and up to the gm to decide like initiative that that's a sticking point with a lot of these games <laughs> and some yeah. games coming in coming up is initiative yes. if you don't have good rules with initiative People get very confused and it kind of goes downhill. Yeah, there's almost three categories. There's the games that tell you strictly, this is initiative, you roll this number and this is the order and you take turns. There's games that don't say anything. And then the worst category is there's games that like <clears throat> Iron Sworn. I like you you pass <laughs> initiative off when you do a thing. So you can literally just have one player in the GM passing it back and forth between the other. And the other two players are just like looking at it like, well, <laughs> because <laughs> yep. it got passed to someone other than me and it got passed to someone other than me and then it got passed to someone other than me and then it got yeah yep, yeah it's definitely a kind of that's definitely an initiative system where you've got to work as a team and be considerate of everyone else yeah and if the gm attacks the same player every single time that's the only player that gets to attack the monster mm-hmm. yeah okay so sorry back but to, <laughs> <back> to <laughs> <your> <laughs> all right continuing after talking about how things are left vague, GM decides initiative. Also, I think having a health pool or some sort of mechanic for being unconscious or dying, um, there need to be clear rules for when players get into peril so they can be there can be fair arbitration. If player death is under G- DM fiat, I think it could cause friction. However, I think it's a great basis. It just needs some refining. Yeah, that's a good point. Those games without mm-hmm. health or like criteria for dying, like uh, Spellcore Mafioso wasn't in this quarter. It was a previous quarter, but you just mm-hmm. like one hit and you died. <laughs> so what happened was none of us ever got hit because the GM didn't want to kill us. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, so this is another one where it doesn't specify if you mm-hmm. like are just injured or yeah. And I was the mm-hmm. GM, so I was like, well, describe your injury. And it ended up getting a little gory because <laughs> <laughs> you actually don't want to think about that i don't know mm-hmm. but yeah it's this is a this was a short um a short rule book i think it was just two pages two or three yeah. pages long so like and there are some that are just one page and they work really well because they're very minimal where this one 
that has the mechanics set up for everything and everything doesn't work for all of it. But I almost it want is it to be five line. pages, you know, to have that mm. initiative system, to Just have put, those health points. Because it's so it's like it wants you to buy like you get a taste and you want more, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And then there are some that are just one page and it gives you bare bones, little things, and then it's enough. But it's almost like having like just enough of a dessert versus like very little bit of like an entree. <laughs> like it's the same it's the same amount, but then <laughs> Terabyte is when someone comes and puts a single meatball in front of you. <laughs> that that's a great point. And other games are like one page is like when someone gives you a little like a little Reese's cup. It's like yeah. it's perfect by itself. But then when you get the meatballs, like, but where's the rest? <laughs> yes. That's the perfect description. <laughs> anyway, now I'm hungry. When we go on to the next <laughs> the next game. Uh, the episode, The Greed of Mr. Greenleaf, featured uh, the RPG system Dragon Slayers 2. Yeah. Dragon Slayers 2 is very similar to 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, except that it's free and your stats are dice instead of numbers. When you improve your stats by leveling up, you can increase from a d4 to a d6 to a d8 to a d12, etc. Then you roll the dice type you're at to make your skill check, trying to meet to beat a 4 for a difficult check. So if you roll a d12, you're going to average a a 6 and you're going to beat a difficult check every time. And the GM has to kind of like imagine or invent how you failed because you winning every time isn't ideal. So it's it's one of those systems where the GM is like, oh no, you succeeded. Um, I played a spellcaster and I found that my spells were too vaguely worded to be used without arguing with the GM about how strong their effects should be. Because then you're in this situation where it's like, I succeeded and my spell says I'm God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the GM's like, no, you're not God. <laughs> I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> so like, uh, and that, like, for example, how long it takes acid to dissolve an item is important. If it instantly dissolves, it's totally different than it dissolves like one percent of the item per minute, you know. But mm-hmm. just saying it dissolves the item is too vague. How advanced I can age or de-age a person is important. Like, for example, if I age them to one thousand years years old and they're a human, I have killed them, right or not? I haven't, but you know, like, aging has. <laughs> Or like I unage them to like a eight week fetus. You know, I'm just saying like some of these things are very broken and there's no limits. Uh, how it, how whether I'm de-aging them like a VHS tape set to rewind or whether I need to know the number of years being de-aged. Specific details like that totally change the use of the spell in practice. So more specific spell effects would have improved my enjoyment of the Dragon Slayer's two rules and probably the GM's enjoyment of me as a player. <laughs> <laughs> that, that I never I, I like this system. And I remember the spells being really cool. I, I focused on ones that were like firebending or like the fire spells. They were just like, oh, you cast a firebolt or oh, a fire whip or you create flame. And then I'm hearing about acid and de-aging. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> that's because you're a cool, nice person <laughs> no i did i didn't if i looked at all the spells i'd have noticed that too like there's no specific it le- keeps it vague and but... you just inherently like try to get along with people and i'm like mm-hmm. i see cool <laughs> things and i try to do them and i think about getting along with people second and that's mm-hmm. a problem <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah that's my personal rule is when you come up with or come across things like that you talk, you speak with a gm and figure it out beforehand I should have, man. But, I just yeah. like so much came up in the moment and I was like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> oh, anyway. Um, so 
I will insert here mm-hmm. since we've just in the moment. Um, if you like D and D and you're looking for a system like D and D, having played both Dragon Slayers Two and Heroes of Adventure in the same quarter, I would say I prefer Heroes of Adventure myself. Mm-hmm. And we the, the spell effects are very. We're, specific. we're reviewing that soon, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. just in this part of the the like podcast, I just want to say uh, Heroes mm-hmm. of Adventure had very specific spell effects it specifies the range the number of targets the amount of damage mm-hmm. that you're able to do with that spell so i would have been a more well-behaved and um, less likely to get booted from the table player if <laughs> if we had the spells list from heroes of adventure instead of mm-hmm. the spells list from dragon slayers 2 mm-hmm. right. continuing on with another yeah. <laughs> re- re- other review for this game the system um, my Dragon Slayers 2 feedback after a second playthrough. Oh, so this is someone talking about Dragon Slayers True after playing it a second time. Because we played this system before, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a it's a great rules light fantasy RPG that is free. I cannot recommend it enough to listeners. There are always going to be problems with certain rule systems, and I don't think we will use this one as our default rule system. But for those of you at home, it's a solid rule set and it's available for a donation of your choice. You should go get it now and support the people who worked hard to make this system, especially when a fantasy RPG that's easy to pick up. And I do uh, um, agree with that that take. It is a really fun system and it's really easy to just pick up and start playing. So if you're just looking for a quick game to like build a character and there's no real classes, you just it's kind of three your three main things of like warrior thief and mage and you can kind of mix and match so you can just build something real quick in the spells even though some can be broken and some <laughs> are just easy to understand and like uh, yeah spells are kind of broken like the magic <laughs> magic class is broken but I, i've heard similar things about wizards and D so I don't really see it being a big difference, but it it's it was really fun to pick up and play and and the GMs that I've talked to that have run it said they really enjoyed it and it was really easy. But yeah, I would say it just depends on on your group. I really I really enjoyed it. I know the, you the nice are person versus can... the problem player. <laughs> Some different experiences. Oh goodness, yeah. But no, I, I really enjoy Dragon Slayers too. And I had a review on that in a previous review episode. And I, I really thought highly of it. But yeah, there's another system that's very similar that I also agree with uh, with, uh, with you here. It's, uh, it's, it's also really, it's, it has some improvements it will go over. Yeah, but Heroes with of that, Adventure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But next episode is the companion episodes, uh, The Voice of Magic and Crapping Up to Victory, featuring RPG system Rhesus. It's a fascinating approach to storytelling. It allows the players to choose their own traits, calling called cliches. These cliches can be used to do anything so long as the player can think of a creative way to utilize it. It requires a creative mind to play the game, though the possibilities for fun story te- for a fun story are endless. Um, oh, that's the only review. But yeah, I, I, you, you were in that game, right? Yeah. And I, I remember you brought up. You want to bring up what <laughs> what you found were, was the issue with the. It's it's weird because what what you mentioned is that we're all so tied to traditional RPGs 
And yeah, when we were trying to do a, this and trying to put it in there, it yeah, restricted so in, this. Yeah. So in traditional RPGs, the game master dictates which skill gets used. And in Rises or Rhesus, the dictating, like, at one point the GM was like, make a dexterity-based role to me, which is like asking for a dexterity check in D&D, right? Very reasonable in D&D, make a dexterity check, you know, the ship is tilting, see how dexterously you respond to it. But the problem with Rhesus is you got four skills, man. <laughs> like, one mm -hmm. of them might not be dexterity. None of them might be dexterity. So, like, like telling someone whose skills are not dexterity-based to make a dexterity-based skill check. If you're thinking like a traditional D&D GM, you might box your player into a corner and choose how they're responding and which cliche they're using. And if you read the rules of cliche, like it even talks about how it's up to the player to choose which cliche they use. There's even mechanics for choosing a poorly applicable cliche. You ask them to make a dexterity check and they go persuasion to convince someone else to grab them in their arms like a romance hero. There's rules for how to mechanically incorporate a very not appropriate cliche that, okay, it's going to be harder, but let's see if you get them to fall in love with you in this moment. <laughs> you, know? you know, you know, I just thought of a, a way to describe how this game should be worked. You know how you like to be the player that is like difficult to work with and you always come up with like, like I could do this. It's really dumb and I really want to do it because if you, <laughs> this is your type of game because the game is literally catered towards people like that. Uh, it would have you don't been, make yeah. a dexterity i'm not going to make a dexterity check i'm going to persuade the weather to change <laughs> using using i'm going to sing to the weather one would it's think like so you would you would think it's dumb and it's like you're out of your mind but rhesus says yes go for that because it makes sense it, with your character we ended up never using those fun. mechanics like i almost want to so we're going to play this again it's, we've already got this scheduled for rises epic um we're going to play rises epic oh, in the future mm-hmm because I like we didn't use the like the rule book says if you want to use a cliche that's not suited here's the mechanics we didn't do it <laughs> like, we were too overwhelmed we were, in the we moment. were two D and D focused brains dexterity check yeah when, we just were like okay just be... and tried <laughs> no but this is the game where if you have players that really suggest the really special things like I'm gonna do something that's really oddball and weird. And it's like, there's no check for that. That sounds really, it's like, where you get, but it's what my character would do. You know, the players like that, the, you know, the special type of players like that. This is the game <laughs> for saying if, that. Yeah. No, I'm not mentioning <laughs> specifically. So I don't ever, That's it's, fine, the, it's fine. the players yes. that, that think outside the box to, to almost a detriment against the rules. This is the game that says we throw all that out and we embrace it the best way it, i'd say it, it should and then like we actually played it and we were just so bogged down and then we forgot mm -hmm. like i i read the rules beforehand you know mm -hmm. like i read that oh yeah <laughs> we I, talked I, about that before kept, the game i kept my cliche <laughs> i kept my cliches in in line with like trying to think of like stats like oh if i make a stat check i would want to be based off this cliche yeah so i was thinking like i was restricting myself my cliche should have been much more out there yeah maybe that's our our take-home message about like what we're thinking about rhesus or rises is mm -hmm. that it made us the players realize that we needed to expand our minds a little mm -hmm. bit yeah mm -hmm. playing all these different one shots really opens up uh, different mechanics and ideas good and bad yes, but this one I'm, i feel uh, we didn't do it justice and yeah, I, we're gonna I do it again. That, don't worry mm, yeah, I, and the second ahead. game really did 
Yeah, the the cracking up to victory really did. I'm gonna have to that listen to that good. one because I haven't it, he- heard that one yet. It's All hilarious. I know is the experience of being in the first one, <laughs> which was not ideal. <laughs> um, <laughs> there were still but, some fun moments like the um, the possums. Yeah. Oh, they're coming back <laughs> in the root episode. Um, but yeah, so that's something for the listeners if you're listening to this. We do something called a companion episode or companion episodes where the game master runs the game on Saturday with one group of people and then a second time on Sunday with a second group of people. And anytime I can, I sign up for a Sunday game because they're always like chef's kiss. You know, like mm. they're so good. The Saturday games, it's like like the first time you're GMing that story, you're walking the ropes for the first time. You're a little bit more hesitant, you know, Um and then that second game, it's like, you know where you're stepping, you know where to put your foot, you sprint, you know, you make it to that, mm-hmm. you dash to the next good good spot. That, you know, that's true, because yeah. as a GM that ran a companion episode, yeah, it really does make a difference. It's really good for new GMs who need help or people who are new to podcasts. Like my first podcast episode was a companion episode. It really helped out. Yeah. Good practice. That's I I want more people so I can like I want more people in the group so I can do them more often. Yeah. Oh man, the Sunday game is always so good. So yeah, cracking up to victory. If you're if you're listening to this and you're like, should I listen to the voice of magic or cracking up to victory? The answer is the Sunday game, cracking up to victory. It was mm-hmm. really good and they, they actually utilized the combat system. You know, we didn't use the combat system where you remove a dice each time. We didn't really do that in the Saturday game. Mm-hmm. We were too busy like <laughs> <laughs> being sad (laughs) anyway uh yeah so the sunday game is really good they actually used the combat they whittled the sharks down in the pool you know they Mm -hmm. fought the sharks and they Mm -hmm. whittled them down um one by shoving alcohol down their throat and another by like oh that (laughs) had punched the sharks uh, that had rufus in it yeah it did Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) so how did you know anyway um, so yeah they they did use the combat system in that one um, and it, it worked. They removed a dice each time. Oh, man, removing a dice is brutal. Once you've got a dice gone, you're screwed. <laughs> like, because you're mm-hmm. rolling fewer dice. Oof, those sharks mm-hmm. didn't have a chance. And then they blew up the building. <laughs> <laughs> those sharks really didn't have it anyway. Um, so, uh, the episode Astral Maids featured the RPG system Astral Tourists. I'll go ahead and read one of the players' feedbacks. Oh, and I was I listened to this episode, and it was really fun to listen to. So I'll read this player epi- player feedback now. They said, I like the concept that the system sets out to do, but I think it would be better suited for a longer-term campaign with the mechanics such as acquiring and maintaining anchors. Playing it in fire-breathing kittens format gives lower stakes when you play rules as written, which may be a good thing, but is just worth noting. In terms of mechanics, though, I like it. It was easy to set up a character, and things like combat and skill checks felt intuitive and powerful. I especially like that everything hits. It feels to me like it advances the narrative quite nicely. Mm-hmm. And the game provides a solid foundation for a small story that takes place in the astral plane. It requires a lot of creativity on the GM's part to create strange encounters. Fortunately, the rules are very loose and allow for creative problem solving. The book provides example monsters to give you ideas. I'd recommend this game if you're looking for a weird world filled with unpredictable encounters. And this was an episode that I ran, and I tried something different. I'm trying to do more freeform storytelling without reading directly from a script, and it was really fun. 
And this was a great game for that because it embraces the weird. I love it. And I do agree with the last. <laughs> Wait, I, I got to give an example. When he <laughs> says it embraces the weird, we're talking that at one point Norwich goes up on the computer desk, right? And he's been instructed by this like big Cthulhu god to like clear the or to clean the room. So Norwich interprets that as check the browser history. Oh, gosh, we got to clear that. <laughs> and so then you were like animated the browser history and it like came out of the screen as like these static monsters and they had mm -hmm. to like literally beat away the browser history so that <laughs> they, they could clean the room. It was very funny. I really liked listening to that episode. That was a good time. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it, it's I do like the idea of it being like a long I would use it for like go middle of the road, like a middle mid middle campaign, like maybe four episodes long or four sessions long because it's got it's got the stuff where you can find anchors and you can kind of do like a little bit of a adventure where they're going and finding MacGuffins to do the thing and it could just be really zany and silly um it's it's actually it's, I don't think it was mentioned here it's a tarot card based game but you're not drawing cards so I, I got I started to really like tarot based games so I bought a tarot deck for tarot card games, and I was going to run a tarot base deck, but it turns out we didn't need the cards. Um, yeah, yeah, they yeah, were like need... to make your character. Mm -hmm. the, but it's 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 really cool if you don't know about tarot about tarot decks. They have major arcana, minor arcana, and the major arcana are a bunch of these different things that represent different things about life, and the, and each character has their own in this game. You choose one of the major arcana has its own starting uh, equipment and you can choose minor arcana for like abilities they get and it's for building your character. It was still really nice. It was still really cool and everyone had some really interesting forms because when they went to the astral plane, they transformed into something different and I had yeah. them describe that. So, Yeah, like one person... Um didn't have an anchor because they went with the sun the sun card mm -hmm. doesn't have an anchor yeah mm -hmm. that's interesting but yeah so we've played foretold where that one was like you're drawing tarot card or no you're playing one of your limited number of tarot cards you only have like six and if you run out of tarot cards right mm -hmm. then you you lose all of your ability to control the past and present and future and then we played um tarot bite where you're drawing cards mm -hmm. from the tarot deck, like and using them as your modifier. It's on your almost roll. like it's almost like dice rolls as you're drawing them. Yeah. Yeah, and then which we want more of. We're just like, mm -hmm. give us more. This is not enough. <laughs> like more mm -hmm. mechanics. <laughs> like make it's, it as crunchy every, as every tarot deck game we've had so far have has been different. Has used the tarot cards differently. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. But I, I am liking tarot uh, tarot deck based games more. Because I'm learning more about what the tarot cards mean and what they could mean in a storytelling in a or storytelling way. Yeah, they're very fun storytelling mm -hmm. prompts. I think you mm -hmm. would enjoy foretold because I, I, I did the, enjoy. I, I was I I I remember seeing because we we set up a schedule to sign up for these games and I saw it when it was time was available. And I was like, I don't know about tarot cards. They seem very weird and very. I don't know. And so I just passed it up and then I listened to the episode. I'm like, oh, I wish I was there. <laughs> and then I joined Terabyte and it was kind of wonky, but yeah. the mechanics weren't exactly the same. 
And then I was like, I'm going to run a tarot, Vi- or, um, a tarot deck game. And we didn't even use the cards. So, <laughs> Well, for yeah, so all in different ways. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, and there's so many more tarot games out there that I had never played before we started rotating RPGs. And I think they're all very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but we'll go ahead and go to the next one. Oh, here's one we were talking about before. Uh, the episode Harvest Hijinks featured the RPG system Heroes of Adventure. Yeah. Oh, man. Heroes of Adventure. Yay. Heroes of Adventure is a free, easy to learn, finely detailed combat simulator. When I say easy to learn, Heroes of Adventure is a 35-page player handbook, a 35-page referee's handbook, and a 35-page monster manual. Characters have classes such as Barbarian, Cleric, and Druid. There are stats for weapons armor, and crafting. To make a skill check, players roll a d20 and add their skill modifier by rolling a second dice, such as a d4. You can increase that skill's dice to a d6, d8, etc. by leveling up. Because Heroes of Adventure has 35 pages of monster stat blocks, it's great for people looking for that crunchy battle math of Dungeons & Dragons or Pathfinder. I really liked that Heroes of Adventure offers an alternative to your character dying, when they drop down to zero hit points. Instead of dying, you roll from a, you roll for a wound from the wounds table that decreases your total hit points and other stats. When your character has accumulated many wounds, the player can make the decision to quest for healing or retire their character. I like that it gives the player's agency over their character's death and motivation for questing to heal them. From a game master's perspective, Having an alternative to dying frees you to make very challenging combats without needing to worry about a character being gone because they accidentally dipped down to zero hit points. The Player's Handbook, Referee's Guide, and Monster Manual are currently all released as separate free PDFs, so one suggestion I have for the game creator is to also release a merged PDF of all the rulebooks, because during the game, using the search function to find a word didn't work when searching the wrong PDF file. So releasing a big PDF of everything would help like during gameplay to find the words. But overall, Heroes of Adventure was truly a delight to play. I hope to try this system again with a spellcaster in the party so we can explore the spellcasting mechanics. Those spells looked well-defined in how much they can affect and what damage they can do. If you've got a friend or a family member who wants to play role-playing games with you, Heroes of Adventure is free, has a 35-page player's handbook, and enough monster stats, equipment, and crafting mechanics to keep you interested for a long time. Mm, Very well written and said. Yeah, I agree with everything there. Uh, Yeah, the the game we played, it, we didn't have any spellcasters. My character Chica was in there, and he usually chooses some spellcasters as his ninja techniques, but in this game, I, I decided to go as a ranger that doesn't use spells but it, it it still fit with the character but yeah that we did we never got the trying spell spells uh i saw all the lists of spells in there i'll have to hopefully we play it again so we can actually try that yeah. maybe next next season i'll play a spellcaster that actually does something with it but here's another review this game was a joy to play it's skill checks use different sided dice depending on your rank so the better you are the bigger the dice if you're looking for good combat this game has it it has unique range mechanic called bands, which can be best described as units of distance. Tracking which band you and your opponents are standing in provides a deep level of tactical positioning 
you don't see very often. There are lots of classes and spells to choose from, and the class abilities are fun to use as well. If you're looking for a traditional fantasy TRPG that brings something different, I'd recommend Heroes of Adventure. Yep. And yeah, the uh, the mechanic bands, which is the distance, you, you it, your weapons and stuff will say you can it, can, it has a range, and depending on where what band you're sit, standing in is how far you can uh, attack. I believe one movement, like your movement is one band, so you're moving one band closer every time. I, I can't remember exactly how it works, but yeah. It's yeah, a, yeah, that's mm-hmm. it. You you won't even need like a map. You could just maybe a pencil and paper to kind of track where you're at. But yeah, it provides some tactical thinking when it comes to positioning and where you want to go. So it, it actually brings something different than just oh, we're, we're here's some mechanics for how to attack and how and initiative and everything. Here you go, and it's like, well, okay, that's it. This one actually has something that you can grab onto. That's kind of unique. I've never seen before. Lerps maybe. also does bands. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I like Lerps a lot. Bands are great. I'm going to have to try Lerps in the future because, yeah, I've heard from you that it's another good system. And it's going to be coming up in some future episodes this season. Yeah. Yeah, Heroes Adventure, a really good system. And that was the one we were talking about in Dragon Slayer 2. It's kind of an improvement on it. I'd agree. But if you're, if you don't like one, try the other. And it might be exactly what you're looking for. But we hear, it seems like we hear Fiery the Kittens really like Heroes of Adventure and Lerps. I do. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about another fun game. Uh, the episode Happy Bean Juice featured the RPG system Dungeon World. Um, I enjoyed running it. It allows for a lot of flexibility on the GM and player's part and emphasizes fiction over mechanics. Maybe I just didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> it seems hard to encounter. It's really difficult for players. Uh, also, a move that players can make defend can be quite broken at higher levels. But hey, higher levels got to count for something. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Man. Yes. Dungeon World is a powered by the apocalypse system that has moves the players do. The rulebook is 59 pages of paragraph formatting with no table of contents, so I found it to be overwhelming to read. If there were lists or tables, it might have been easier to navigate to what I wanted to learn and read that. Dungeon World also has a second PDF file of playbooks, which are like combat classes. You can do 8 basic moves, 13 special moves, and also between 5 and 20 moves from your cleric character's playbook so that's like 40 you guys it's more than 40 <laughs> in some role-playing games you have a lot of abilities to read like in D when you're a paladin and you're like why am i a paladin in fifth edition DD? oh my gosh i have so many things to read right but sometimes they can be summarized without giving you more text to read for example maybe the ability improves your modifier dice from plus three to plus five I can handle that, right? I just erase the plus three and I write plus five, right? There is no way to summarize moves, and there are 40 of them. You either have to memorize them or look them up every time, every action you take. So my experience playing Dungeon World was I spent my time reading and rereading the dozens of move options available to me, overwhelmed by all my choices and yet frustrated at how specific they are. 
because the moves are so specific, they don't really apply perfectly for a lot of situations. Eventually, you find the best statted combat move and just do that repeatedly. And lastly, Dungeon World does not have a turn order or initiative system, so I didn't know when I was supposed to participate in combat. I prefer systems with defined turned orders. But I also don't want to be super negative about this game because it has, like, the largest fan following of anything we're reviewing this quarter. Dungeon World is really famous and popular, so I totally understand why other people play it. I just don't think it's for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so another review. The rule for this game has... Or the rules for this game have a tendency to force players to act in strange ways to fit the criteria for a move, as mentioned earlier. These, as all the moves are, you know, they're very specific and you gotta memorize them. And then they don't always, you know, fit with what you're trying to do. In order to negotiate, as for example, in order to negotiate with an enemy, I had to roll high or else immediately provide physical compensation. Like, I have to offer gold or my belongings in order to say that, oh, please uh, spare my life. Here's my goal. It's like, I, and I didn't really want to do that. Um, I'm not a fan of games that have preset moves for the player with baked in actions that the player must take. In other words, I don't want to have to abide by being told I have to do something when I wouldn't do it in myself. It, it makes it very unnatural. Um, there is an initiative in this game and the table is required to figure it out, which I never like. My suggestion, if you are playing a game like this, is for the players to, during their turn, to call out to another play player for assistance, like, I need your help, uh, other player. It's a good way to pass the torch to another player that feels natural without delegating it out of character. So you don't just, oh, let's try to figure out an initiative order. Or, oh, you guys have gone twice and I haven't gone yet. No, instead, you know, players need to, if it's, if it's a powered by the apocalypse system, the best way to do it would be, to, it, it wants to promote role playing. So role play, you know, passing to someone else, like during your turn, call out that player and then it, it will feel natural for that player to go next. Yeah, I'm glad um, you did that. Mm -hmm. That's something I learned. It was, it, it flowed really well and it gave your character a chance to shine <laughs> who was not really shining i had done nothing <laughs> but oh she came back later started kicking and then i started kicking <laughs> yeah started kicking it worked out it was it ended up like the ending to that episode was so good mm -hmm. i yeah. love that norwich got a shining spotlight and we were like the support characters kicking <laughs> in the background we were like is he okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> are these people okay <laughs> it provided some fun interactions i'd recommend to those looking for a traditional fantasy trpg that focuses on role play over mechanics yeah and then i'm gonna read another feedback i had a great time i like that dungeon world was very open-ended for both players and gms and it was an easy to learn system that feels like it can very easily be adapted to a longer term game I would love to play it again in a future game, and I may consider running this system as well. The only thing I was confused on were the tags. I didn't see any glossary in the file download for what they do specifically. I assume that the GM slash players could pretty easily make them up, as they're relatively straightforward, but a GM companion or tag glossary could be helpful if we plan to play this in more games. 
And that's the last feedback that I've written down. So I've got two discussion prompts, a favorite game and most excited about what upcoming game. So I sent you a picture of all the upcoming games. I don't even need to look. Mm -hmm. I already know what my favorite is. (laughs) Anyway, but so let's talk about um, what was your favorite game from this past quarter? From the ones that we just... This past quarter? Yeah. Ooh, I would would actually say it was, I'm pretty sure it's the same as yours, uh, Heroes of Adventure. It was a really good system, really good mechanics, and it could be utilized even better. But what we did, I feel like it was utilized really well, and it would be really good for uh, longer campaigns or even one-shots. I would say my second, if I can choose, go ahead and say a second favorite, I like Monster of the Week as a second favorite. If you're looking for a good Powered by the Apocalypse game, that's a really good one. Um the the rules are actually in character building really works and if you really read up the um the 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 different char- the character sheets and sort of get into the whole idea i like it it kind of gives it has like a scooby doo vibe where you're like going out and like you're a gang of mystery solvers so i could see you can run a system like that or something more gritty and more uh what's the name of that system um World of Darkness-esque, if you're going for something like that. Almost like a, well, I can't really think, can't think of it off the top of my head. But yeah, that it's a sort of like gritty, like going out and and el- going out and discovering eldritch horrors beyond your comprehension sort of, sort of, sort of uh, setting. So. Yeah, like those Maltese Falcon noir mm-hmm. movies where you're like, okay, mm-hmm. she, she walked in my office and she was beautiful and I knew that I was in trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah that's that's a fun that's a fun that would be a close second but yeah overall i believe heroes of adventure was really really fun and i do really i still really enjoy dragon slayers too but i think that heroes of adventure has kind of taken the mantle from it but i'd still recommend dragon slayers too like i said if you play one and you're like "Eh, this isn't my cup of tea try the other and it might be that's exactly what i was looking for it might be something in one that's not in the other yeah, I think my favorite game might surprise you because I was a little, uh, what do you call that? Where you keep something close to your chest? I don't know. There's mm-hmm. a phrase. What is English? Anyway, um, yeah, my favorite game was actually Trove Foundation by a long mm-hmm. shot. I love Trove. I just want to gush about how good Trove was. Okay, so when I travel and I visit people and I'm going to play a game with them because like, you know, hey, visit a buddy play a game i'm here let's play Mm -hmm. you know um trove works fantastically you don't need a bunch of character creation you don't need a bunch of papers and pencils trove is that game that you always wanted when you were in high school on the school bus driving out somewhere with all your friends and like you guys had like two hours on the bus and you were like what do we do Trove is that game, you know? You don't need Mm. anything other than the fingers on your hand to keep track of how much trove you have left, you know? And because you start, I think, with like six trove. So then the moment you spend one, you've got fingers to keep track of how much you have left. And like one person in the group, you know, you pick on the one person who's always willing to go along with whatever you say. And you're like, okay, you're keeping track of the trove bank. And they're like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) um, And then like, so one person has to keep track of the trove bank and everyone else just like, or advantages on the table i think they call them so like you remember how many advantages we have and then like the yeah it's it's like 
a travel game. It's it's analogous to that chess set that you had years ago where each piece was magnetic and you were like, I'm going to buy this because I'm going to play this when I travel. You never did. You know, you never did because it's actually really hard to play on a travel chess set because they're tiny and your fingers knocked over three pieces once and now you're done. Right. Trove is actually a useful travel game. So I'll tell you about my experience when I used it traveling. All you need to do is tell the person that they roll the dice and you only need a single d20 dice too. So you're traveling, right? And you only have a single d20 dice and some friends. You can have a good time. They roll the d20 dice and they say what their goal is and the method they're using to do it. And you're just going to repeat that five times over the course of the hour. What's your goal and what method are you using to do it? And either they succeed and they, yeah, you did it, and they can spend a trove to add an advantage to the table, or they fail and like their method, you're like improving. You're like, okay, well, your method was this. You wanted to climb the tree, but you grabbed the wrong branch. And it's, it's wonderful story building. It was fantastic. It's my first camping RPG. You only need a D20 to play and some friends and your fingers to keep track of how much trove you have left. And someone willing to keep track of your advantages. That's it. It's really good. And it Mm. makes so much sense. It's so logical when you're playing it. Like, you can hear when you listen to the episode, You Don't Know Jack, you can hear us being, Mm -hmm. like, hesitant at the start. That's actually (laughs) my next episode that's in the works for me that I'm listening to. I'm slowly catching up. Yeah, we started out and we're like, I don't know. Why was the rule book 106 pages? I'm irritated, you know? (laughs) They actually revised the rule book since... um, we played it so they sent us the people who wrote trove foundation sent us an early copy of the rule book that was like 106 pages long and so you can hear our trepidation in the beginning of the episode we're like i don't know did i read all 106 <laughs> pages i feel nervous when it's gonna happen you know like maybe i just skimmed an important part i feel low self-confidence and then we start playing it and you can just hear the excitement level it starts out kind of negative <laughs> i can't wait all... to listen to it it sounds end, like the like, it sounds like the perfect game for like one sh- for like just jumping and doing a one shot. Together. Yeah, it's perfect for one shots. It's perfect for camping trips, bus trips. Do you have a friend and a D twenty? And and by the end of you don't know Jack, they were like like players who had mastered the Super Smash Brothers controls. They were in full control. They were jumping left. They were smashing. <laughs> you know, they were like jumping up and doing a up and B. You know, they were like it was. The, the progress in that episode. It was just so fun. I can't so, yeah. wait to listen to it now. You fight me up for it. <laughs> it was fun. And I've, I mm-hmm. played it again while traveling. It was fun then, too. All right. So that was my favorite game. Uh, the next prompt is you're most excited about what upcoming game? Do you want to read them all off since you've got the... Um, yeah. Let me read yeah. them all off. So tomorrow we're actually... The two of us are actually <laughs> in... Resolute Second Edition, and that is a superhero campaign or a superhero yeah. game. There are some superheroes in this uh, in this season, including Chico, though he hasn't had a real chance to shine with Your this superhero. Your sweater, yeah, our yeah. sweater, Rabbit, and then we have Cal as well. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's super a he's a super, crud. and I'm I'm a sidekick. He's super crud, and I'm I'm oh, oh, what what was uh. It's like super crud is like um ah can't think of uh never mind um but then we also got root coming up which is has to do I think they transform into animals or we are, are small animals? woodland creatures mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then Christmas capers I'll be running that one that one's all about 
saving Santa and saving Christmas. And then Lerps is coming up and you've had high praises of that one. I can't wait to actually, I don't, I don't think I'm going to be in it, but I'm pretty sure we're going to see it in the future. Got a couple of more Lerps camp games coming up. I honestly, yeah. The reason why I picked Lerps is because I just like uh, the season finale is coming up and I needed, like I needed to pick a game that we had played this whole past year that I really enjoyed the combat of. Like, I just need a game that we can do really high-powered, like, level 20 D&D smash fight epic combat, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that was Lerps to me of all the games that I had played so far, you know? Mm-hmm. And now that I've played a bit more, I'd say Heroes of Adventure could work too, you know? But, um, yeah, Lerps, like you said, the band system is fun. Lerps mm-hmm. has that. Mm-hmm. Lerps had some cool combos. I didn't really get to see a lot of the magic, so I was like, okay, let's see more. What I saw, I liked. Let's do it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, have we done the Witch is Dead before, or did did we do something? No. Else? We've done some witch-like, or we've done one that has to do with Alchemist, I believe. What was that one called? It was a very early on one. Um, Swamp Troll Witches. Swamp Troll Witches. That's what I'm thinking of. Swamp Trollwitches is fun because you don't need mm-hmm. a GM. So if you're playing with a bunch of friends and you need a GMless game, Swamp Trollwitches has that option. Interesting. Um, but The Witch is Dead is a one-page RPG system about uh, somebody close to the group, in this case the witch, um, is dead slash missing slash kidnapped. And you all, woodland animals, are sad. So you have to figure out who did it and solve the mystery and fix it. And maybe she'll come back to life. She's magic. It's another game with stupid, with stupid dumb animals. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love games like heavy. that. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have Adventure Dice. Oh, I'll be in that one. That, that one has custom dice. You actually, there's actually a printout that you can make <laughs> little custom. I wonder how I'm going to do that. I don't know if I want to. And how would they be weighed correctly? That's also a... Yeah, so there's a few options. You could attempt <laughs> to print it on cardstock. Staples does this thing where it'll deliver 110 GSM paper to your house. And then you mm-hmm. could like cut it and fold it and like get it like finely folded, tape it mm-hmm. or glue it. And then like try to make your own dice. Or you could cut out the faces and attach them to an existing dice. Mm-hmm. Or you could write up a key... And like every time you roll the one, it looks like this. Every time you roll the two, it looks like this. And you just have a printout so you don't alter your dice at all. So those are three options that you could do. Mm-hmm. Print the dice and construct it yourself. That's a good, that's a good idea. I might do. I, I might not construct a dice. I might just have something written down like one is this, two is this. Yeah, that's a good way. I Glad you told me that because I was trying to figure out a way of doing that. And then... Uh, Lerps again. So Lerps is going to be played two more times this season and Lerps is going to be near the end and then it's going to be the season finale. Yeah, I can't learn rules and write the season finale. <laughs> I can hardly write the season finale. I have low expectations, you guys. Low expectations. <laughs> but I know it's going to be a good one because if from what sounds like Lerps is a good system, you've got a lot of experience running it and you'll have run a game of Lerps earlier and get had some practice with it and then season finale. I'm not worried about the the mechanics. I'm just worried about my storytelling. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so then next season we'll be playing Desperado Quick Draw Edition. That's a Wild West style game that the creator sent to us. I try to play those. Was that the one that we've played before? 
that we've was never played similar. it before. Oh, no. never played. Okay, I'm no, thinking of that another was Specters and Spurs. And thank you. I'm not. I'm not ever going to GM that. We again. have a lot of. We have so many games that sound very similar. The Witch is Dead, Swamp Troll Witches, Desperado, uh, and what was the name of the one I was thinking of? Like they're they're all very similar. Specters and Spurs. Specters and Spurs. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. They're different. D six feet under was another Wild West game that we played. And. I'll be running uh, a game of New Edo. That's going to be fun. We play that already, but this will be at level zero. Oh gosh, yes, so much easier to bite off and chew. New Edo. If you guys haven't played Shadowrun, I hear like you told me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chico's player told me that New Edo is kind of like Shadowrun, and all I know is that of all the games we've learned, New Edo is the one that kind of like I did not get. Like it stumped me. And I'm not bad at learning games. Like, I do a pretty decent job most times. And that one was over my head. So we're going to try new Edo at a lower power level with fewer, mm. th- you know, like we try to um, like, uh. As I was, I was reading into it. That's when I realized, oh yeah, this is a lot, this is like Shadowrun simplified and sort simplified. of. It's, it's a, yeah, Shadowrun's very, oh, you oh. could, you. The cybernetics, I love cybernetics and Shadowrun. You can do so much with that game. Like, I've made a character that had like a whole arm with like every finger was modulated to where you can like screw it off and it had a different tool for each finger. (laughs) I'm looking at you like, oh no. (laughs) It's so in depth, (laughs) but it's so cool. Oh, and grapple guns. I love grapple guns. I mean, I grapple guns and built in rollerblades. It was great. This sounds fun. I'm, we're going to try it again. I'm going to try to be smarter. Simplifies, simplifies it and focuses on its its setting, which is like Japan and yokai, and it's really awesome. But yeah, and the game doesn't really have a way to scale it to higher levels. It doesn't really have levels. It has a legend system. And it's. I kind of figured out a way to scale it up as best to go ahead and try it again at level yeah. zero because... You're pretty much building a well-built character at at level zero. And it's a game mainly based on building up. There's no levels. It's more like, oh, you do a job and then you get experience for it. And experience goes straight into your character. There's no actual level where, oh, at this level you get all these abilities. No, you're you're building yourself slowly, like bit by bit. Yeah. So when you hop in uh, at level like halfway max power and you have all these abilities, it's a little overwhelming. So um, we'll mm-hmm. try it. Yeah. I think low level is the way to go for new Edo. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try it at, you know, starter character, see if I understand mm-hmm. it. And it'll be my second time. I'll have more, more time mm-hmm. to forgive the rule book for telling me I'm dumb. Literally, like it's like at some point, <laughs> it's, like the rule book says you're dumb. If you don't get this. You don't have to think about it more. Just it tries home. to be edgy. It's yeah, it's an edgy rule book. And I'm just like, I'm trying. Why are you making fun of me? Anyway, so it's not it's not a good match. Um, but oh. so what's break with break. two exclamation marks? <laughs> break is a JRPG art style game. I don't know much about it, but the person who's jamming it is very excited. Yeah. And then Sexy Battle Wizards is up after that. We've played that before in the episode Frigid Beach. I liked it. I'll play mm-hmm. it again. <laughs> and what is everything going to is going to crab? What is that? I will tell you more about it because it's my favorite. So we'll skip it for now and we'll list off the other ones. But oh, that so one that's is, the, you've chosen that's that as your one. favorite. Okay. That's what I'm looking forward to the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, should I, I'll, I'll just tell you about it now. All right. In everything... <laughs> <laughs> In Everything is Going to Crab, 
So do you know how the there's this theory that life forms kind of convergently there's a phrase called convergent evolution where like they look the same but they're not related at all because it's just a really useful ecological niche and like um there's these two fish that look the same but they're they're not related and they live on different continents but like that's just a good way to look you know it hides you from predators and like it's so crabs are famously one of those convergent evolution things where people or animal i i just spoiled something but animals <clears throat> keep looking like crabs even though they're not related so like you'll have this one region of the world and there's a crab there and you go to another region of the world totally not related animals and there's a crab there too and everything is going into crab you (laughs) you can see where i'm going here do i go and become crab you must become a crab if you want to survive (laughs) and you must turn other people into crabs as well because there's a wave coming, a big tsunami, and you forgot, but you've always been a crab. So you've got, you've got to convince everyone else to shed their silly human form and return to their true crab state. I just, I just love it. I'm not sure yet what adventure I'm going to write for it, but I'm very happy. Mm-hmm. Let's see. And then Honey Heist, what's that about? You are a bear and you must steal... Honey. Oh, I love it. Uh, and then there's Adventures, which is another, I, maybe it'll be like Heroes of Adventure mm-hmm. or uh, Dragon Slayers 2, where it's D&D-like. We'll find out. Mm-hmm. I, I look forward to those games because it's, it's, it, it's like hope on the horizon for the next D&D, but we'll see. We'll see. Then and we then have... there's Lucas. Lucas is uh, the base game that Brawl is based off of. You draw cards and play them from your hand in pairs of your choice. We'll see how it plays. So Lucas is sort of like Core. You remember Core, right? Yeah. Um, It's sort of like like that. How the uh, uh, Welcome to the WWA used Core. So you're saying, what what was the game that you played? Brawl, Brawl used Lucas. Used Lucas, yeah. That's weird because it's another wrestling game that uses another game as a backup. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. But those base games, the uh, core is also like could be used as a game itself. It's not going to be, it's not coming up, but it could be used. And it's mm-hmm. actually a really good system. Yeah. But. And then Witch Scouts. Witch Scouts is adorable. And then Alaria, <laughs> Valor, and Company. And those are the upcoming games. So I'm, I've already said which one I'm most excited about. Everything is going to Crab. Mm-hmm. I, I liked it because of the title. And there was another I was excited for, but we can't talk about it. So I'd, I'd say my favorite that I'm looking forward to is probably New Edo. I'm going might be biased because I'm running it, but I have high hopes that it'll be a really great system. And I have good plans for it. It's really fun. Cyber cyber cyberpunk is a fun is a fun genre. Yeah, I should not yuck someone else's yum. So I say I hope that this time, right? I'll say it as a hope. I hope that this mm-hmm. time the double rolling won't get me as down as it was before cuz like there's something about my gambler mentality, right? I don't really gamble, but I understand the thrill of a success in gambling where you're just like I roll and I see a number and I'm like, I'm like, is it going to succeed? Is it going to succeed? And I roll and I wait. And there's a certain ratio that you need to succeed 
And if you succeed every time, it's boring, right? And if you fail every time, it's boring. But if you succeed every now and then, it's fun. And, and that's the gambler's ratio. And in New Edo, there's a role that you do called a fate role before the role mm-hmm. that counts. And the fate role, for me, I thought about it some more. And the reason I don't like it is because it is too fail-y. It fails like every single time, right? It only succeeds 4%, four rolls out of 100. So mm-hmm. that means that it it's like a downer in my gambler's brain where I'm like, uh, I, know what you mean. I want yeah. it to win more often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I hope for is I hope that this time, now that I have put a name to the problem, that I think less about how that fate roll is going to fail. It's going to fail. It's going to fail. And I just move past that and look at the second roll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's my hope. Mm-hmm. Just don't expect it to succeed. Just, okay, yeah, get your fate roll out of the way and now get excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I'm also excited for everything is going to crap because it sounds hilarious. <laughs> I'm going to make you all crabs. <laughs> no, you're going to hope that you can make yourself a crab before the tidal wave comes because you don't breathe water so good in your human form. <laughs> and the more townspeople you can convert into crabs, the more people <laughs> live. Whew. So oh. silly. I love it. <laughs> uh, I love silly things. Okay. Well, that was a good rules discussion. Mm-hmm. Thank you for joining me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah, it was fun. I enjoy uh, taking part in these episodes, if you call them episodes. They're more yeah, they're they're rules discussion yeah. episodes, yeah. Yeah, r- rules mechanics discussion. You know, I don't think a lot of other podcasts play as many TTRPGs as we do and talk about the rules. So these are hopefully, <laughs> if there's any listeners still here at this point in the episode, hopefully you've mm-hmm. found it valuable. Mm-hmm. If so, share it with a friend. And check in for next time. Tune in next time. And I know we poke fun and kind of mean at some of the games, but I thoroughly enjoy all of them. And every time we were playing them, we're not really, we're not miserable. We're just enjoying ourselves. Yeah. And if it's one meeple, we want two meeples because we like meeples. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye.